welcome to talc teaching and learning consultation skills this is the talc talks podcast helping everyone who sees patients to improve their consultation skills to get better outcomes and this approach can even increase your job satisfaction This podcast is part of the module which is called Talc Skills for Effective Explanations. It specifically refers to the chapter which is called How Can Your Words Be Healing in Their Own Right? Explanation and planning skills are crucial for effective consultations. In some ways they remain the Cinderella subject in consultation skills teaching and learning. This is because they often end up having less time devoted to these skills. In teaching, just as in consultations, a lot of time tends to be spent concentrating on information gathering and learning about that, which leaves less time for explanations. Failure to achieve a suitable management plan following an explanation is a very common cause of examination failures. So why is this? Many problems in the latter half of the consultation do occur because the foundations of effective rapport and skilled information gathering are not adequate. And if the clinician and patient relationship has not been well established either, the second half of the consultation might not go so well. However, if those foundations are in place, like the foundations of a building, then explanation and planning form the roof of a sound construction. An effective early start to consultations can be undermined if the patient doesn't understand the explanation, doesn't agree with the plan and goes away unsatisfied with the outcome. When a clinician explains to a patient what's happening to them and describes a suggested plan of action, we all too often see two related phenomena. First, the patient stops talking because the clinician takes centre stage Secondly, the clinician stops listening because they consider the patient's contribution has already been made. Although the patient may be silent, this does not indicate that they understand or agree to any plan proposed by the clinician. And effective care is undermined if patients and clinicians take different views of what should happen next. Patients make their own minds up every time they do or don't take a tablet, attend for follow-up or tests, and when they make their own judgments about which lifestyle advice to follow. So the way we approach explanations can have a big effect on the outcome of the consultation. Explanations use a complex blend of skills, and as with other sections of the consultation, the skills can be learned bit by bit. In this specific chapter, the effect of the clinician's own language is covered. Could suitable words actually help people to get better more quickly? The language we use in consultations can greatly change their impact and it can also change how it feels to the clinician and the patient. I'm going to invite you to compare two sentences. What if I say, I can't find anything much particularly wrong with your child as far as I can see anyway. And... My full examination shows a healthy, normal child. The first sentence is a bit hesitant. 
I cannot find anything much particularly wrong with your child, as far as I can see anyway. And the listener will tend to notice words like I can't, wrong, anyway. And the words, as far as I can see, give the impression that perhaps someone else could see something. The second sentence, my full examination shows a healthy, normal child, emphasises full examination, normal and healthy. Now, which sentence would encourage a parent to continue self-care when the child has an otherwise mild upper respiratory tract infection like a cold? Which sentence might encourage the parent to seek a second opinion, perhaps in the emergency department or out of hours? Which sentence would inspire confidence in the natural healing powers of the child? My money is on my full examination shows a healthy, normal child. These examples show how words can have beneficial effects, sometimes referred to as part of the placebo effect. And words can also do harm, which is sometimes called the nocebo effect. The first sentence could be thought of as having a nocebo effect, in other words, potentially doing harm, while the second sentence could be considered to have a healing or placebo effect. Researchers and clinicians have been concerned that nocebo effects could arise if too much information is shared. For example, we know that identifying side effects increases the likelihood the patients will experiencing them. Yet nocebo effects can be reduced while retaining open and honest communication by using a variety of skills to balance the information we're giving. We can use our language skillfully by using simple direct language with no jargon. We can use words that encourage and uplift. And we can also think carefully about the effective use of small words like and, but, if, when. There's a whole chapter on this in the module skills for building effect. I'm going to say that again. There's a whole chapter on the use of the small words in the TALC module skills for effective explanations and that chapter is called how to change everything by using small words skillfully. In this podcast our chapter focuses on positive language and explanations and here are some of the ways in which words can have positive effects in consultations. First of all Positive priming words are very useful because they imply care and success. If we use words like looking after you or listened carefully and I noticed or comfortable or relaxed or phrases like really helps or thorough examination or full examination, we're conveying accurate information but we are also framing the patient's experiences of being cared for and of being normal, comfortable, relaxed. The use of positive words like healthy, strong, normal or as expected can be more effective than phrases like not abnormal or negative tests. Such phrases sound, well, they sound a bit negative, don't they? And negative is bad, isn't it? So... If something is normal, say so. If something is as expected, say so. And rather than saying, 
I'm going to do a quick examination, say I would now like to do a full examination of whatever part needs to be looked at. There's another way in which we can use words positively and these are called turning words. Examples would be but and however. These can change the impact of the words that precede and follow them and there are details about how this affects consultations in the chapter how to change everything by using the small words skillfully. Let me give an example. I could say this drug has side effects but it's extremely effective. In that situation the but diminishes the effect of the beginning of the sentence and enhances it, enhances what comes after the word but. So we remember that this drug is effective. If we turn it around the other way, this drug is effective but has side effects. The patient tends to remember what comes after the but, in this case the side effects. There are other ways that we can help to create a positive atmosphere and encourage acceptance of relevant actions. These are called presuppositions or assumptions, I suppose. So for example, if you say, when you take this medication, your pain will improve, there is a presupposition that the medication will be taken. And that has a different effect than if you say, if you take this medication, your pain will improve. When we say, when you take this medication, we are assuming that the medication will be tried and it focuses our attention on the improving part. If we imply doubt about taking medication in the first place, the improvement part can seem less prominent. We can also use language positively by avoiding the use of jargon. It can be an interesting exercise to watch a consultation and just pick out all the technical words that are used. We should also aim to use shorter words and sentences. All these approaches can help to bring positive language into consultations and are perhaps best illustrated by considering how we talk about the results of physical examinations, the results of tests and the way we approach undifferentiated illness, which is a hallmark of primary care. Words can become a part of a collaboration with the patient. And a good place to begin is to avoid the use of clinical jargon whenever possible. We can explain any jargon words carefully if indeed they must be used. Let's explain this in a bit more detail. I think we generally understand the concept of someone having a second language. And indeed for many of our patients and even many of our clinicians, English itself can be a second language. It's worth remembering the extent to which medical practice generates its own second language. Estimates vary, but it's generally accepted that medical students learn something like 10,000 and 50,000 new words at medical school. If I knew 50,000 new words in French, I think I'd be pretty good at it. Needless to say, patients don't learn this second language that we learn at medical school or in clinical practice in other specialties. Becoming aware of just how much jargon is used in daily practice can be a bit startling. Anyone in a clinical context would feel quite comfortable if I said something like, I need to exclude a PE, so I'm going to get a CTPA and we might need to anticoagulate you if that's positive. In this context, 
the words exclude and positive may have very different meanings to the clinician and to the patient. Exclude does not sound like a particular good idea. Exclusion is often a negative issue, like excluding people from access to care or something. Most people think a positive outcome is a good outcome. Obviously, CTPA and anticoagulation are jargon words also. After an examination or when communicating test results, it's very easy for clinicians to make good news sound like bad news to the patient, who may then feel that more should be done or they might feel let down if they haven't got any answers. Here are some illustrations to provide examples. Let's think about what the language conveys. How about saying, I'd like to take a quick look at you. This could easily imply carelessness or an incomplete examination. How about saying, I would like to do a thorough examination now, or I would like to do a proper or complete or careful examination. How about saying, I'd like to do a careful examination, especially to check up on the concern that you mentioned earlier about whatever that was. Let's think about feeding back the findings. I can't find anything abnormal in your chest. Does this mean that everything was normal or merely that the clinician was not skilled enough to find anything? What does this approach to the say to our patient? It come, could come across very differently when the clinician chooses alternative expressions such as when I examined your chest, your heart and breathing sounds were all completely normal, which is good. Again, the same principle applies when we talk about scans or results. If I say the scans were all negative, negative things might be seen as good things to clinicians, but not to patients who may think a negative scan is a bad thing. Better to say good news, all the scans were entirely normal. The skillful use of positive language can help to build a trusting and effective relationship even if the content is not good news in itself. So here are some examples that show how, when we show concern and commitment, even in difficult contexts, it can help to provide a better tone to the consultation. So how about saying, all the things you've told me so far have been very helpful in clarifying what's going on, even if you're going to go on to say some bad news about what those findings mean. What about saying, as a transitional statement, now I understand what's been happening to you, can I take a proper look at your chest and examine that? What about saying, we need to take the situation seriously, especially in view of what I found when examining you? This is not saying it's good news, but it's telling the patient that you're taking them seriously and that you're giving them your full professional attention. If the news is difficult or bad news, what about saying, I'll be following you up throughout this illness to ensure that everything goes as well as possible. That will give the patient a sense of accompaniment and care, which goes beyond the technical aspects of referral or treatment. Another way to use positive language is to refer to what patients have already told you when you're checking things out. So. What you have told me about your family history is important. I'd like to check that out in detail. This again conveys professionalism and interest in what the patient is saying. 
It builds a relationship without taking any extra time. We also need to think about some of the phrases that we can use when describing pain or other symptoms that are caused by dysfunction rather than structural issues. So here are some examples. People often talk about the rather sinister and irreversible wear and tear when they're describing osteoarthritis. However, this is an illness which tends to flare and settle. So why not let's call it wear and repair? Wear and repair indicates the process that's going on and provides encouragement that improvement can occur with the decrease in symptoms. We often talk about irritable bowel syndrome and talk about spasms in the gut. It can be more helpful to talk about tightness in the gut, which treatment can relax. Very often we know that pain can occur without tissue damage. For example, muscle cramps, very painful, and they're caused by tight but entirely normal muscles. When the muscles relax, the pain goes away. These cycles of spasm and relaxation play a part in abdominal pains related to irritable bowel syndromes, many musculoskeletal pains, headache and so on. And one of the important things to bear in mind and perhaps to explain to patients is that hurt is not always due to harm happening. Not everything that is hurting is actually damaged. Often hurting and pain are symptoms that come along because of things that can change like muscle tension or tightness. All these are different ways to use positive and healing language with patients. There are lots of interesting ideas in the books and references listed in the written materials that go with this chapter. This podcast was brought to you by NHS Professional Educators, making training available to all.